Welcome to the White Wall Cinema Podcast. Today we'll be discussing Greta Gerwig's box office breaking smash hit, Barbie, starring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Welcome to another White Wall Cinema Podcast. We're an independent cinema in central Brighton focusing on interesting, fun, unusual, overlooked cinema, both classic and new. I'm here with Layla, who is my uh, co-conspirator in all things cinema and podcast. Uh, and we're, today we're going to be talking about Barbie, um, which is starring Greta Gerwig, Ryan Gosling, Will Ferrell and America Ferreira. And um, Michael Sarah. And, let's not forget Alan. And Michael Sarah, yes, exactly. Uh, so um, it is the story of the beloved or hated, depending on your political disposition, uh, Barbie doll, uh, and uh, played by Margot Robbie, of course. And uh, just she's just another day in Barbie land for, for Barbie. She's um, It's the best day ever, again, just like the day before... And the day, be- the day before yesterday, and the day t- and tomorrow, and the day after tomorrow, and so on. And she's doing nothing special. She's invited Ken round to her house for just an average night, which is a uh, choreographed dance uh, routine and uh, bespoke song for a big blowout party with all the other Barbies. When Barbie decides that uh, she's going to have an existential crisis and ask the other Barbies, do you guys ever think about dying? Uh, and that is uh, essentially the plot that leads Barbie into and back from the real world outside of Barbie land. Um, it's been a big week for cinema, hasn't it? Yes, it has. And we we opted for Barbie first. Barbie, then Oppenheimer. Barbie, that, was that the right decision? Barbenheimer. Yeah, but was that the right decision to go that order? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Would it have been too... I don't know if I would have been able to leave thoughts of Oppenheimer behind whilst Barbie yeah. was on. No. I think you have to have the frivolous... The frivolous before the... The existential your dread. Your own yeah. existential crisis comes after Barbie's. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been a huge... I mean, it's made a absolute ton of money at the box office. I think... I can't actually... I'm going to look up what the Barbie... Barbie box office figures are, but I know it's just gone absolutely crazy. I mean, its second weekend is a record-breaking $93 million. So I think something like uh, worldwide in 10 days, $750 million for Barbie. It's an extraordinary juggernaut of commerciality um, in the end, the sort of teeming of, well... The teaming of a director that a lot of people are interested in, but essentially it's the IP that's made the difference, isn't it? It is the intellectual property that is Barbie that everybody knows, and it's that marketing campaign. Yeah, and I think, if nothing else, like it is at least somewhat of a good thing to me (laughs) that like, if we're going to have these box office films that make insane amounts of money, I'd rather it be this kind of box office film than... How do I not offend people? <laughs> Are you going to say you going to say superhero movies? I guess so. But superhero movies, we'll say that. We'll go with that. Well, okay. Superhero movies seem to sort of be over. Actually, I think. There's yeah. A big... Do you know what? I'm not even. You know, 
sorry for this tangent i'm not it's not like i'm against superhero movies but the point i'm trying to make is like at least we can have a movie that is going to be a box office hit that has something of like idiosyncrasy to it and like a, a director's actual personality coming through and some something a bit more on offer than the usual box office hit yeah although it's not yeah nothing against superhero movies it's actually just the what, what i'm against if you slip my against anything it's the oversaturation of it mm. and um well, firstly, just talk a little bit about the uh, the Barbie marketing campaign. Like yeah, how... I mean, I guess what I'm getting at here is that, like, if this has been so successful, then I do think maybe this is a good thing because what else will get funded down the line that is a little bit more interesting than the usual things that well, that um, production companies want to want to put out there. Funny, what a fund. You, funny you say that because I think it's going to go exactly the other way. But we'll we'll come back to <laughs> oh, that in a minute. Let's just talk, let, come back to that in a minute. I just want to talk about the bar the Barbie. Like Martin. I mean, I'm establishing my point here right from the off as though I'm like really into this film, and it's just not it's not that straightforward. But I'm yeah. just saying, like, I think it could be a good thing. Well, I was just going to say before we get into all that, I want to get to talk about the marketing campaign, like how, like I mean, you told me that it was like a hundred million dollar. Yeah marketing campaign yeah. and that there was like i mean if you any if you went anywhere like in london there's like wrapped buses just barbie yeah. not not like not like those standard ads that you see on the side of a bus no but like complete r- buses completely wrapped barbie in barbie bus. in graphics yeah. yeah or um you know the thing about um barbican the barbican <laughs> yeah if you went to the barbican then yeah. it said barbie can yeah. and the logo in the underground had been plastered yeah. over with a big barbie logo yeah or when we were walking across the thames that day oh yeah we walked across the thames and there was a nyx as in like nyx makeup branded boat that was all like barbified and it had like a pink swimming pool and pink deck chairs outside and it was all for like you know i think it was a house it was a full sort of house house. yeah Yeah. it was like on a barge kind of thing video screens and yeah it was all a barbie house boat dj and, and and fake pool yeah I but mean, was it a fake pool? Well, it I was th- basically a pool. I think it was a pool in, I mean, in, in, in the Barbie way. Which there was is a, a space with water in it. Yeah, but I think it, <laughs> no, but I think it had that one of those Barbie, like in the movie, it has this 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 pretend pool, which is just oh, you think it was just the like graphic shiny floor of water. Yeah, that's possibly. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, it was it was a, it was an amazing moment. I, I was so excited to see this. <laughs> <laughs> this make I this, was very this, excited to get my Barbie eyes to see this corporate crossover <laughs> happening before my very eyes as we were walking from the BFI over the Thames yeah. Bridge there. But um, and also, I mean, just Google, you you could if you googled Ryan is even now if you Google Ryan Gosling. Greta Gerwig, Margot Robbie, or Barbie. Then you get pink sparkly screen. Yeah, the whole the thing, my whole screen lights up and the whole thing turns pink. Barbie sparkles. If anyone hasn't done it yet, well, somebody (laughs) made the point, and I think this is sort of true. I mean, I don't know how this is for people that aren't um, so tapped in. I mean, not like I spend all my time looking at stuff, but you know, tapped into movie stuff generally. Yeah, and you know, like actually have like normal lives doing real things. But just spending a lot of time looking at movie stuff all the time, you get a lot of this stuff put at you. And I'm sure this was people saw Barbie everywhere. But I felt, and I'd heard this point made by somebody else, not an original point. I felt that I was being bullied into liking this Barbie movie by the end. Same. And I, I was really annoyed by it. And I was like sick of it to the point where I actually didn't want to go and watch the film. Yeah. <laughs> so is that a successful marketing campaign? I don't know. I did go and watch the film. So maybe they know what they're doing. Yeah. And if anything, it made me hate it so much that by the time I watched the film, I was like, I don't hate it as much as I 
Yeah. Because I was so prepared to really hate it. Yeah. That like it could only get better. Yeah. Because I was basically at rock bottom. You'd lower your expectations. I mean, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because is um you know Greta Gerwig doing this movie? And I I've been following Greta Gerwig for. I mean, when did uh, I think maybe the first time? I mean, I'd seen stuff with her, but I definitely think the first time I really knew who she was was probably about 2010. So you were following Noah Baumbach's films? No, it was. Well, I was. Yeah, I was. But the thing is, I'd started to see her pop up in various things, Um, and then you know, when she did start working with with Baumbach in 2010, um, uh, I. It sort of solidified the thought in my mind that she was someone to watch. Yeah, I think I only knew her through those films. Right, because there's there's also, you know, the Whit Stillman, Damsels in Distress and things like that. Mm. There are other bits and pieces mm. that we'd seen over the time, uh, mm. you know. And, and so basically, you know, I've been a kind of, I'd say a proponent of Gerwig, someone who liked Gerwig and follows Gerwig. Yeah. And and, and I, I if, if I'm honest, you know, I, I think she's such like a talented um, actor. Yeah. Uh, like extraordinarily kind of talented actor actually um uh you know she's sort of like to me she's like the new carol lombard Mm. but um i i think sometimes when you watch someone and you support them as an actor and you see that they're really talented it's hard not to think if this person directs movies you you have a certain expectation of them and they're, they're sort of not allowed to deviate from it. Well, this is the thing, I mean, about about uh, Greta Gerwig. So pre- previously, Greta Gerwig has directed, um, well, she's directed a, a solo directed, directorial efforts, I should qualify this with, uh, in more recent times has been Lady Bird, which was, you know, very well received and is a good, is a good movie, as is the follow-up Little Women. But with both those movies, I couldn't help shake the idea that We'd seen both these things done better before, and that as good of movies as they are, they're a little hollow. Maybe they're just missing a little something to yeah. sort of push them up to, ne- think, to the next level of, of, of how good they could have been. I, I think for me, like, I definitely preferred Lady Bird to Little Women. When I, by the time I was watching Little Women, I was sort of thinking, like, I watched Lady Bird and I thought, well, this could have done more. I feel like she could have gone further and been a bit more. I don't know though. Like I'm just making up expectations for this person who I've seen as an actress, who I'm ass- making assumptions about. Perhaps because of the kind of films that she's been attached yeah. to. Yeah. So I I expect that she's going to make those films, and because like you know you grow to like those films and that person being in those films, those sort of mumblecore films, and then you think, oh, she's going to make great movies in that vein, and then they do something else, and you're sort of like, okay, like Ladybirds. I I did enjoy Ladybird, but then Little Women. That was where I started to feel like, mm, I'm not sure. It didn't really do anything for me. It felt like, and by the way, I I have read Little Women, the novel. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I felt, you know, there's always that. It's easy to be cheated when you've read the book, Yeah, there's always it? that. But still, I, I think I was watching it. I, thought, I remember distinctly having that feeling of like, oh, she used slow-mo for no reason. <laughs> like there's a scene, I think it's Saoirse Ronan running down the road. Maybe she's like trying to submit a manuscript or something, whatever, trying to get a book published. I don't know what she's doing. And then there's a scene of her like basically just running home or something. Mm. And it's slow-mo. And I remember feeling like, why are you doing this? Not drawing attention why to you your this? own directorial style. Yeah, for like non-plot arbitrary slow-mo. Mm. Why is it needed? Ugh. And that drew me out of it. And then I sort of, I don't know. 
I just felt a bit like, what's the whole point in this whole thing? Like, what is this film really doing? Um, I mean, do you, the, the question I was going to ask really was the thing about particularly Lady Bird and Little Women to some extent is that they are a little bit more a certain kind of movie of um, maybe for a slightly more, you know, no offence to anybody that watches any kind of movie, but they're, 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 they seem to be pitched at a more discerning audience. You know, if I'm being, you know, trying to sort of make big generalisations. Yeah. And um, it's not that Barbie doesn't have its discerning points. It's just the uh, the very idea of Greta Gerwig moving over to, one that's being discussed is that she's moving over to now, because I, I heard an interview, or saw an interview with her and her production producing partner. I'm, I'm not even sure who, what his name was, but they were discussing it. And the general theme that came out of was that Greta Gerwig wants to be the biggest director, not just the biggest female director in Hollywood, which, you know, uh, again, uh, an amazing thing, but the idea, but to be the biggest director in Hollywood full stop. And I, I, I you know, I, she, obviously, she's Greta Gerwig and I'm nobody and she could do whatever <laughs> she wants. Yeah, but... but my the thought that goes in the back of my mind, and I'll be honest about it, is I have to think, I don't want uh, a woman to, you know, that has been so amazing and basically is breaking boundaries for female directors to just turn into Michael Bay or J.J. Abrahams or James Cameron or whatever. We've already got that rubbish. Mm. Why don't we, can we have something more akin to the kind of, even, you know, even the kind of work she's done already, which has been, you know, relatively, and, 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 and again, maybe Belby doesn't even quite fall into this category, but my worry is that she's moving over to an IP and I'm very conscious, you know, to, to, to an intellectual property and already established, you know, there's, a, there's such a glut of movies over the last 20 years that are just based on a popular book, based on a popular theme park ride, based on a popular comic book, based on a popular whatever and not original storytelling. Yeah. And original storytelling is like the most, you know, I mean, no, Little Women falls into that category to a degree, but... I think the thing, just to clarify, like with the Little Women, also just final point on yeah, that. Yeah, go on. It's like there is that Little Women film that already exists, right? Mm. I don't know what year it was made. I'm not going to... 94. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Winona and, and Ryder think, one. Yeah, yeah, and I just kind of felt like, is this new one doing anything that that one didn't? But this is the world we live in now. They make a movie and then eight or nine minutes later, they make another version of it and reboot it. <laughs> That's basically the same. Yeah, I mean, we saw that, you know, that uh, that uh, diagram that uh, a while ago, you remember about if they keep remake oh, rebooting yeah. batman at this rate there'll be a batman every 20 minutes or whatever mm. um by the year 2042 mm. or whatever whatever it is but you know um it's just the idea that they're that they're, and you know i'm conscious as well because to criticize a female director of doing this and not and not criticize uh male directors who do this but believe you me if anybody out there knows me or listens to me i'll criticize male directors considerably more for this same potential sin uh because you know i think you know as much as we might sort of talk perhaps in our next podcast about christopher nolan and oppenheimer which is inextricably linked to barbie now for some you know strange reason yeah um it, it, it i i think it was i didn't i was not a big christopher nolan fan actually but i just can't i was i think it was a mistake for him to do that batman stuff I didn't like that Batman stuff really and it's kind of ruined a lot of cinema because it's cleared the way for a lot of things. Mm. So the movie's sort of okay on the, like okay-ish but it's what comes of it and it's what comes of this Barbie movie 
that I'm slightly concerned about in terms of the screens that's going to be that have been taken up. I mean, Barbie has already taken I think on one day there was like in London there were seven thousand screenings of Barbie. Wow. Nobody needs that many screens of Barbie when there's so much other great cinema out there. Not even just niche cinema like that new Mark Cousins documentary that was out about Hitchcock or whatever or something like that. I mean, he was complaining about himself, but also just like. Even just Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, which is a big commercial hit with a huge, the most bankable star in all of Hollywood, has been booted out because of these two movies, essentially. It's been, I mean, maybe they fluffed the release date, but the point is, is that, yeah. that, that there could be a cinema that has two screens showing Barbie, it's one's going shame. Oppenheimer. And, yeah. and, you know, it, it's like, it's why... It's a shame because that Mission is, Impossible was so good. Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah. Uh, and that's the cinema lovers, we say that. as, as <laughs> But, you know, it's sort of, you know... With Transformers, this glut, you know those kind of movies. And well, then- just to go back on what you said about like whoever said her partner saying that she wants to be the biggest. Not her partner, but her like produ- production. That's what I mean, like her business partner. partner. Not her, like yeah, no, that's what not I mean. no a barnbar. No, no, yeah. no, no, like her business partner saying their their jo- the ambition they have decided together. Yeah. It's just that he happened to be. It making- sounds so horrible and like <laughs> vapid that I can only imagine it's just something that some weirdo publicist has said. Like no, I just, because... I'm having visions of like Greta Gerwig, like at home with this co-film producer or whatever, being like, "Oh, imagine if I was the biggest female, like, oh no, the biggest filmmaker of all time." Like, yeah, I could probably do that after Barbie. And then they've gone out in public and been like, "Greta Gerwig says she wants to be." The no, that... like it's too insane no. a thing to ever say. Like, were... Why would anyone ever say it? They were in the room together, as it was said. No, I believe you. Side I, by I, side, I fully believe you. I'm just saying that's how it comes off to me. It's so insane. Yeah. That anyone would ever say it. like it's like, well, I can't think of anything to compare it to. I was just <laughs> gonna say like, is it like if you wrote a novel and you were like, I'm gonna be the biggest author of all time? It's <laughs> yeah. like, why would you say these things? But more to the point, why would you want it? Yeah, well, yeah. Is that is it being the biggest is not the best as far as I'm concerned? I'm sure no. most people feel that way. But I think like there's also something to be said about like if you are, you know, sh- she's she's married to Noah Baumbach, right? Mm. Or at least they're together. Yeah. I wonder what it would be like to both be filmmakers and to f- maybe feel like you have to differentiate yourself in some way. And if he, he makes a certain type of movie, which is like a story led kind of more realism. Mm. I don't know. How yeah, well, in, 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 <laughs> in, in fairness, in fairness, and, you know, perhaps it's a mistake on my part. I might have been aligning the two closely. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. But, but it's hard not to because she's in those movies. But it's not just that she's in those movies. It's that she co-writes those movies. She co-writes the movies. So there, it is, in the movies. it's her voice. But at the end of the day, like, you can understand why she might feel like I want to do something drastically different to this. Yeah, but she wants... I, I want to do my own thing. I mean, maybe she... The best case scenario, she wants to be Steven Spielberg, you know? Yeah. And I think that's basically what, I mean, I, I only half read this interview, but it was something along those lines. But Steven Spielberg, and like, it sounds obvious because like, yeah, she's a female director, like to be like, but from a female perspective, but like that does mean something because it's like, I'm interested to see if she's going to go that route of doing these, I don't know, blockbuster films. What is she going to, is she going to, is she going to grow and develop her craft and actually we are we going to end up with something good which is maybe okay blockbuster films but she is doing something um i guess unique in terms of the cinema landscape in actually putting 
like a female perspective into blockbuster films that like has not been done yet well it, that could be worthy could be worth it's something could be valuable to people it's going to be a mixed blessing because I, you know I hope that happens yeah that's what we i think we all hope I that think, she yeah but i think maybe the thing she, we're doing is like looking at what she's done so far yeah and sort of feeling like ooh, what sorry but like what graph is she going to come out with if this is her plan <laughs> But actually, I'm thinking like, okay. No, but that sounds like that sounds like we feel too harshly towards the movies, and I don't think we do. But I didn't mean that. um, (laughs) Take it back. Uh, Just saying, like, if she's really going to go and do this, yeah. Presumably, she's going to be learning along the way and like developing her own craft, and like it will potentially become something more than what we've seen so far. Well, the one's not going to be just like Ladybird with like a million dollar marketing campaign. One thing I've learned is you're not really a movie director until you're in your eighties. That's something I've learned. I just lately. got a text from my mum saying, "Have you seen the Barbie movie?" Oh, rather. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I said to somebody, I thought this is a huge phenomenon, as far as I'm concerned. This this Barbenheimer thing, mm. and I did say to somebody the other day, "Have you?" And I, they asked me, "Have you? What have you seen lately?" And I said, "I've seen Barbie and Oppenheimer," and they went already. And it's like I was thinking, it's been a week. Is it hasn't not it? the event of the the decade? <laughs> it's been a week, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So. Um, uh, and the only, well, I'll, well, we'll talk about Oppenheimer in the next thing. But the thing I was going to say uh, before we really get into Barbie a little bit more is that um, this thing about Gerwig teaming with, or if I would say legitimizing this idea of the IP and going to Mattel and working to do an, an inter, uh, uh, you know, an intellectual property that's already developed. Yeah. You know now. I mean, this was known prior to Barbie's release. This is not new information because Barbie um, has been such a success. It's it's going to embolden this. But prior to Barbie existing and and, and, and the, the very idea of Barbie coming up, it is the leader on a series of films planned by Mattel, which... If you liked Barbie, don't worry, because I'm not making this number up. It sounds like I'm making a joke. Don't worry. There are another 45 Mattel movies coming. 45. You know, we don't need 45 Mattel. We might need two or three at best. The thing is, when you told me this and you said there's going to be an Uno movie. Well, you've ruined my punchline, but <laughs> let, me, well, let me take you through them. So there's, there's yeah, I know, a listener, you are reeling from that, that bombshell. But yeah, there's going to be a Polly Pocket movie. So this is very much in the vein of what we've seen Lena with Barbie. Dunham. Lena Dunham, that is the writer and director of Girls and starring as Polly Pocket, I don't know, Lily Collins. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> and then there's going to be oh, a, no. a Barney movie, which um, maybe this makes more sense. I don't know. I mean, know, I'm but, excited for that one. Well, it's starring uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya of Black Panther and Get Out fame. Uh, um, uh um, and he's set to produce. Um, is he starring or producing? I'm not sure. I've, he's he's involved with it, either production or, or in starring in it. But he said that it is going to be surrealistic, um, whatever that means. Okay, um, I, so, am, I am intrigued. Yes, well, there we go. So maybe there, with a Polly Pocket by Lena Dunham and Daniel Kaluuya's Barney, surrealistic Barney, purple dinosaur Barney, for those that don't know, because not everyone is like young enough to remember Barney Mm. Um, you know or old enough maybe we've reached the limit there we've also reached that point maybe we've reached they may not be old enough (laughs) maybe we've reached the limit there of what's appropriate 
for the Mattel IP. But we're actually, we're also going to get Major Matt Mason, which nobody knows what that is, Never but apparently it's an it. action figure. But uh, that's Tom Hanks is going to be Major Matt Mason. So there we go with that. And Good then luck, the, the writer of Cocaine Bear is working on a Cocaine Bear. Yes, yeah. if you don't know what that is, Google that trailer. <laughs> um, uh, is working on a horror comedy script for the Magic 8-Ball movie. Um, and I was actually uh, with somebody the day who I mentioned this to, and they happened to have a magic eight ball within reach, and they shook it. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, you know what who you are this? if you listen to this. What they shook, they shook the magic eight ball and said, "Will any of these Mattel movies be any good?" And the magic eight ball told us, "I'll get back to you later on this." Okay, it sounds so, like you were hanging out with Weird Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> so and then there's who also there's going to be a Master of the Universe movie, which we've already had a He Man movie, but I think we're gonna. I think they're going to try and get He-Man and She-Ra. There was a sort of dodgy 80s yeah. He-Man with, with Dolph Lundgren. It's sort of wonderfully dodgy. And you see it now in the adverts. You know, they, they put Skeletor mm. and He-Man from mm. that movie in it. But um, but that's going to take on Marvel, it seems. Um, and it's Mattel. Maybe Netflix is involved. I don't know, He-Man, She-Ra, Masters of the Universe is the overall. Do we feel like it's all just a kind of genius ploy to re-vamp? So that people buy the toys again. It's just more generations of course. wanting the toys well, again. Of course, but what, what, this is what I was going to ask you. Let me just, finish, I'll just yeah. finish this. Hot Wheels, Warner Brothers and Mattel doing Hot Wheels. Yeah, draw the line at Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels, which is directed by J.J. Abrahams, which is going to be, and I quote J.J. Abrahams, emotional, grounded and gritty. Okay. This is a film about a car with shiny wheels, by the way. But what about that film that <laughs> we saw the trailer for when we watched Oppenheimer that was like, uh, what is it? You mean the Beetle thing? I don't is know. It is? It's like he's a video gamer and he plays like a car game and then they're like, we're going to turn oh, him you into mean, a Oh, sorry, racer. not that. Oh, yeah. Gran Turismo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why? One of the most ludicrous. First of all, why? Secondly, do we need Hot Wheels? And then so and then there's Rock'em Sock'em Robots with Vin Diesel. Uh, and there's, and yes, uh, we'll get finally, but coming full circle, um, uh, Lil Yachty is apparently in the starring, starring role for the Uno movie. So I mean, it's a comp- as far as I'm concerned, it's a complete mess. This and why we've now this has now opened the door to what is basically going to be the thing that is going to soak up all the screens across all the cinemas in yeah. all the world, like Marvel and DC have for the last however many years, and push out all the real, interesting, original stories and just IP. I mean, the Paramount CEO Brian Robbins, who is the guy, by the way, who directed. Good Burger. Do you know what Good Burger is? Yeah. The Keenan and Kel movie. Yeah. About, yeah. I mean, the no, nonsense, right? You know, fun maybe, nostalgic maybe, but obviously like crap, essentially. The Good Burger director is now amazingly the CEO of Paramount. He's talking about they're not going to do any more original animated movies, like ever. And they're just going to focus on IP. And again, I quote Brian Robbins when he says, and he's on the current cover of Variety for some reason with all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because they're doing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie again. And he's on the cover of it. Why the stars of the movie aren't on the cover and not, well, not, not the CEO. Yeah, par- really but anyway, weird. he says that he's going to, we're not just going to release an expensive original animated movie and just pray people will come. We well, don't pray, Brian. You, you like work mar- for it. Yeah, mate. you market it. And, you know, <laughs> you make it good. But if you look you at craft, if you look at past the era, seventies and eighties, and um, and see the original, 
you know, 60s, 70s and 80s and even the 90s and you see the percentage of films that are just like original storytelling. Yeah. Even Ghostbusters, you know, when Ghostbusters came out was like an original story, yeah. the first one. You know, um, you go back to those eras and there's very little of this. It's really less than 10%. And now it's the other way around. Everything in the last 15, 20 years is all intellectual properties that are previously you know because basically people who run these studios are risk averse they're wanting to get something out of an audience that's already developed and now 90 percent is basically things we've seen before uh or is it either a sequel or an ip I and mean, there's 10 percent of it is original and so we just you know of course we're running out of things to do because nobody's being allowed to make original stuff because these movies with ips are pushing yeah. everything off the screen yeah yes <laughs> That's well. my, and and again, you know, uh, it's difficult because I don't want to focus this just on Greta Gerwig. It isn't, but it is very much a moment of passing the Rubicon. Um, and you know, it, we've seen all these young, um, uh, kind of names in the agenda. You know, not necessarily young people, but people, young directors, if you like. You know, Chloe Zhao, who made Nomadland and won the Oscar for that. You know, and let's say, let's be try it, but and say it's a tasteful picture one best picture she made that eternals movie for marvel that was her next move sarah polly who made women talking um you know quite an intense movie about serious issues has now signed on for a live action bambi disney film mm. why you want to do a live action and disney what's greta gerwig bambi doing film? next and wait yeah greta gerwig is now on to do you know what it is did i tell you yeah two 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 Narnia films. Like, what's the point of this? She, I, I hope, I hope she, you know, she basically just says, either drags the blockbuster into a more interesting place, although Narnia's not going to do that. Well, that's what I was trying to get at earlier. Yeah. Is that, like, she is, with this Barbie film, she has dragged the blockbuster into a more interesting place, like you say. And if nothing else, maybe that's what we can expect from blockbusters. No, because she's doing them for Netflix, Except, so they're not going to be anywhere. Yeah, first of all, Netflix. Secondly, <laughs> this thing about intellectual property is just going to do away with any potential for original story ideas, like you were saying. So it's like, you know, well, it, it comes at a cost. Let's talk about Barbie. Like, maybe these films can be slightly quirkier, but like well yeah they're, but they're ultimately just all about existing products seems like the quirkiness is just sort of a selling point though well, not yeah. really i think like but this barbie thing was like largely hinged on like well how is she going to do a barbie film and it not just be about how awful barbie is for like women well that's let's and let's then get it was just how can we whitewash barbie so that like we make it so that everything's okay now and you can all buy barbies again because like they're actually so amazing for women yeah well let's get into it let's get into barbie itself specifically um, you know, from a positive point of view, uh, it is very funny at points. Yeah. I think it is a funny movie. It hits a lot of, especially in the beginning. I mean, it hits right from the beginning, hits you over the head with so many great little, you know, presses so many buttons in the beginning that are funny, you know, with the Lizzo song yeah. at the beginning. Um, again, we're not going to get into spoilers here, but, you know, just, just at the beginning is, you know, all these products arrive, you know, the yeah. Barbie dream house and all the different Barbies and all the different kind of, uh, all the different Kens and all the different sort of, you know, it's a frantic kind of enthralling first 20 minutes. And they do have these, they do have jokes in the, in the beginning, which are a couple of them are a bit labored in the beginning. They are. Um, They're sort of repeated um, one after the other. It's sort of the same joke goes on for a while. It it gets old a bit quickly. It's just not quite it funny enough fast. to repeat the the one of the joke about drinking, which yeah, everyone like, will know. Oh. Yeah, 
but when, you know you she can pours say her milk out in the morning like nothing comes out of the carton and then there's a scene where later in the movie but it, at least it's lifted by this kind of lizzo song that happens and yeah. they sort of um make the song a bespoke song and augment mm. it to it's it's quite well it's done. enjoyable it's quite well done i think one of the things maybe this is getting too far into the film already <laughs> but i just think that like because of that beginning where it's like quite an intense like 20 minutes of like it's funny it's immersing you in the world of like barbie land um and it's fun and you're just like kind of amazed by all the sets and all you i mean you just sort of sit there thinking this looks like it was a lot of fun to make and mm. just for the sets mm. and the design great practical sets like amazing yeah and it's almost like i was saying like if nothing else it's kind of worth mm. looking at just for that or worth having made just for the sake of that i mean it's it's worth the movie's worth going to just to see the practical sets yeah just to see the amazing uh, and I, I feel that they didn't quite make enough of this in a way but the sections where barbie or characters are traveling from barbie land to the real world which we'll come to in a minute but i don't know if you've seen the way in which they did that stuff it was very i guess the people people might understand it in a sort of it was very wes anderson-ish because it was they're sort of made to look false they're, mm. they're made to look like um you know, it's that great thing of Hollywood artifice and making, you know, they've got a lot. Even even the Barbie dream house is set with what is clearly like a painted sky. Yeah. Although you're not really thinking about that, but it's there and it's so beautifully done. It's very old fashioned movie making. But that extends to some of these special effects, if you like, or practical effects where, you know, the car is moving along. And all they're doing is it's on a track. Yeah, and you can you can feel that the car is moving by just being pulled or pushed or the, along, and it's not. The car even... is actually stationary. Yeah, the okay. road is moving. Actually, yeah. the road's not even really Something moving. Something about the pace of the car. Yeah, is obviously purposefully to make it feel very artificial. But the way they've done it is they've had a static car. Right. Had the and background the background move. Yeah. The foreground on a kind of roller, you know, like yeah. like you might imagine the wheels of a tank have yeah. that thing that wrap around it, and then on top of that. Even more beautifully, all the the it's, this, the car seems to be moving because the road, and you can't see this in the movie. And I wish they'd sort of leaned a little more to showing how fake it is. Just leaned a touch mm. more. Um, in in I guess uh, maybe it's a bit trite to say, but in a, Magon, a Michelle Gondry way, where you can see the cogs a bit. Yeah. Um, but the 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 car seems to be moving because the white lines on the road yeah. are moving. But all but it also is because... all it is is a crew member just pulling a thing yeah. with white lines on it from the end. You can't see this in the film, but just seeing it, and it looks like the movement, they're just pulling basically a, a kind of piece of string with the, and, and it's going round like that. It's mm. just, it, they're just totally practical effects. But also I think that like the fact of the car, not to get too much into the car, <laughs> but like something about the car then being stationary, I think forces the actors in the car to start acting the car moving. Mm. So they're all sort of like bumping around. Like and you, now that you've told me that, I realised mm. that like, do you know what I mean? They're acting yeah. in the car. They're moving in a certain yeah. way as though they're trying to compensate for the fact that the car isn't moving. Yeah. And that adds to it. I think that makes it look good. Because it's, so it's sort of like, and they're like singing and moving around in the car side to side. I don't know. I think that it's worth going to see for that artifice mm. of both the fake or kind of the artifice of sets. And then, of course, the kind of fake plastic Barbie world. Yeah. And how brilliantly all of that is done. But also the way there is obviously like a deep product research on this movie. Yeah. And just like the costumes and the hair and makeup and everything. Like it is really fun to, to look at. Yeah. Because you see the full range of Barbie, like not the complete, obviously be too yeah, many. but The Barbie the, archive. Yeah. The Barbie archive of, of, of characters, kind of outfits, 
discon- there's a lot of jokes about some discontinued products yeah. and what have you. It's very funny all that stuff yeah. because it because it, it seems like insane. Like they've made it up and then you realise no. And even the, the narration I think is like, yep, this was really a thing. Yeah, it's like and so, so awful. It, 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 you realise that you know it's all it's funny because it's true basically. But the problem is, uh, in a way that it it is very fun to see all that stuff, but um, uh. You, the, the, the you, you do get a sense, like you were saying, like you were about to go into before we moved into the movie, is that, um, well, the, how can we get to this? There's a, the, it, 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 this is no spoiler at all because you see it all in the trailer, and the film does suffer a little bit from too much of the film yeah. being in the trailer. Yeah, it does. Sadly, but, um. There, there is a point where Barbie then has to venture into the real world from Barbie land to the real world. And th- again, those traveling sequences are glorious in a car and a boat. And like stopping and- off with the caravan and they've got the costumes on, little like hair in a bandana and the camping set. And So uh, they when they go to the real world after this, what, half an hour in Barbie land? I don't know. I forget the time frame. 20 yeah, minutes, so, half an hour of Barbie yeah. land. They have to go transition to the real world at some point. Um, uh, and the real world is boring. The but real world is so boring. <laughs> it's not just that it's the real world is boring compared to Barbie land. I mean, the movie then becomes boring, yeah. formulaic, very... You could be watching any movie. Yeah. Any kind of middle this of the road. This is the bit that, for me... Dragged. It dragged. It really did. I think just too much... They had the time to spend in the real world and didn't really do anything with it. And I just think there was a lot of missed opportunity. There should have been far more gags. I mean, like, give me straight comedy. Yeah. Like, there's so many interactions that she should have had in the real world. When she gets to the real world, because they do a lot of jokes in the beginning that are essentially jokes in and around feminism let's mm. say a bit of a really broad term for mm. the various things that they talk about mm. and then they go to the real world and they try to make some more pointed and it feels a little um bolted on mm. commentary um and uh you know uh when they sort of roll bait roll yeah. bedding, for instance they start making commentary that is um you know kind of uh, what should we call it? Twitter feminism? I don't know. There's yeah. things that twi- by that I mean that people want these. People will want these asides, or sometimes you feel like they're making a a point in the movie. Um, and I think it's a you know. Let me just be upfront. I think there are great things about this in terms of like it's kind of feminist communication. There are some great things about it, but the problem in a way is that sometimes you feel the comedy. Uh, sorry, the, 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 the points they're making about feminism are bolted on and they're really just ways of stopping people going onto Twitter after the movie and complaining about something that wasn't mm. in the movie. Like, mm. let's say this now so that people don't complain about us on Twitter or something. Yeah. And you can feel the movie creaking under the weight of having to say these things occasionally. And that's all fine, but... Um, the problem is, is that... Uh, well, it's also the delivery. Mm, agreed. So there's like a, an instance where they're rollerblading and Margot Robbie makes a comment about like, don't you feel like you're about to get attacked or something? Like, don't you feel so this is like a hostile environment? Effect of it, yeah. And 
it's a joke because Ken's like, no, this was amazing. Like, you know, yeah. what only can be described as adored or some, yeah. something. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm misquoting it. But like to deliver that line as a joke, like it just felt a little bit like. Well, I'm not sure it is oh. a joke. I think it just turns weirdly serious as a tonal shift. It, the, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. She's kind of making a point that is a real point. And it's fine for the serious things but then by the time ken responds with his no it feels like you sort of feel like can i laugh at that like yeah a serious point has just been made yeah is it a joke is well, it that, not a, it's and, a bit so it does do next it does do these tonal shifts yeah i think the problem is is they don't always work and actually the because a lot of the film is basically um mocking obviously rightly so mocking the patriarchy and a lot of that is very funny um, but it works best when they do satire to basically they make fun of things or use comedy to skewer uh, these points. If which I don't think it's right to call them political points because they're not really. It's just yeah. sort of. But let's say they're political points. I mean, this in America it'll be received as this is that mm. basically anything that is anti anti the patriarchy and pro feminism is a political. Sort of, yeah. But just as a shorthand to say political points. They skewer them with comedy and it's brilliant and the message comes across really well a lot of the time. But when they try and make the serious points, they come across they come across a bit trite mm. and they don't really work and you feel it feels a bit like a feminism that would be in a movie of about twenty years ago. Yeah, it's there's nothing new here, let's say that. Yeah. And um, Or or maybe Tumblr from fifteen years ago. Slightly the points that are made are obvious points. There's nothing new. It's not really offering any new insight. I guess, like, my only... It doesn't feel like enough to, like, hold up a film, but, like, to say, well, I guess at least it takes... You know, everything takes longer than you'd want it to, and, like, this is a box office hit. It's like a blockbuster film. I guess these feminist points don't usually arise in these films. Like, there's that. Uh, but, I mean, like, yeah, is I, that enough? I don't know. Well, I mean... So there are, I mean, there are a few, just a couple of things I was going to say before we get back into that is that there are a few kind of, there are a few missed opportunities and there are sort of like on that front, but there are like, there are gaps in the logic of the film, which is kind of fine. I mean, you know, like, I just don't understand, like Barbie doesn't understand like number one thing, but then she does totally understand the other thing. Mm -hmm. Like the thing about, you know, she doesn't, she does, she, she, uh, there's a, a you know, a, a moment that a lot of people really enjoy where she sees an old lady. But she has no experience of old people whatsoever. It should so be they shocking turn, to her. Yeah, so they could have had a joke there yeah. that could have skewered something and then had the lovely moment too. I but think it, doesn't it really... made the lovely moment really too sickly sweet. Exactly. And I was just like, get away from me, please. Like, yeah. You're not sitting at the, this bus stop looking at an old woman being like, you're so beautiful. It's like, where have you developed this idea that you think that is beauty? We didn't see any of that process. Also... Because a minute ago you were in Barbie land yeah. complaining that you got cellulite and you need to go and it. Yeah, well, she doesn't know what cellulite is. No, she doesn't. But she has because Barbie... and now you're and now you're looking at someone with a wrinkly face, and you're no way shocked by it. You're just totally like, oh, this is beauty. Aging is beautiful. And it's like, well, that's fine. That's a that's a great thing to 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 say because it's true in many ways. But give us the process. There was no kind of like I think that's it. She should have had more of a process of like her personality developing. Well, she she discovers that she um, there's a joke about cellulite. And she doesn't know what that is. 
Um, but minutes later, you know, because Barbie Land is essentially a place where yesterday was today's a perfect day, just like yesterday and the day before it and tomorrow and the day after it. Every day is perfect. It's amazing. So she's like, oh, my God, you know, what is this thing? And then like, but minutes later, she completely has the total understanding of what fascism is and is able yeah. to make a really well-formed comment about it. So it doesn't really kind of make it, but apart from, you can kind of forgive that because at the end of the day, it's just a movie about Barbie. <laughs> so it's quite an old fashioned movie in a lot of senses, actually, because it has these nods, these nice nods to like Jacques Demi and the other Jacques, Jacques Tati. Uh, and, you know, movies like The Umbrellas of Cherbourg or The Young Girls of Rochefort or weirdly, actually, uh, uh, Demi's other only, I think it's his only English language movie, American movie, which is Model Shop, which is weirdly like this movie Model Shop in some, oh, you wouldn't expect that. Maybe the real world. I don't know, something about the feel of it. But then it has these other moments that are like, seem to be, uh, themes and moments seem to be quite, not just thematically, but kind of quite directly lifted from The Matrix or Toy Story 3, maybe. Toy Story 3? Or or your... Well, the one that you came up with the movie the other day that... Toys. Yeah. <laughs> Toys, which nobody will remember, but... Uh, it's a great film. Everyone go watch Toys. <laughs> By... Um, it's worth it just for the song in the middle. Oh, yeah. Well, we the people that follow us will be familiar with You'll that. You'll have seen it on our Instagram. Um, uh, that's... Um, well, who's the guy that directed Toys? Barry Levinson. Barry Levinson, yeah. Barry Levinson's Toys. Um, we should just do a podcast about that, shouldn't we? We really but, should. Uh, or, and of course, Truman Show. There's been a lot yeah. of talk about how she spoke to Peter Weir about how he made it. And, um, uh, and you know, you I guess you expect this sort of standard fish-out-of-water story. Um, but you do actually get more than that. You do. It does wrong-foot you a little bit. And you do get, in essence, it's a musical, isn't it? Yeah. Ultimately, it's a musical. So. Um, but other than those, and some of those bits that are the musical, it lends perfectly this idea that it's an artifice movie. You know, like movies like New York, New York, or or, or should I say the original movies of artifice, you know, just singing in the rain or whatever. Mm. The original movies, mm. the original... Was it mu- yeah, the original musicals that had artifice. Yeah. It's, it leans into that, which is a great decision. Uh, and he's done, at times, done brilliantly. I mean, the highlights of the movie, some of the highlights of the movies are those bits. Um, some of the best bits of movie making you'll see, or at least the most th- fun and enthralling bits of movie making you'll see are those bits. Um, this year, I mean. Um, but it is often a bit, a bit bland. And there's a mother-daughter relationship that happens in it from the real world. Again, we won't get into spoilers. But when I feel like I'm watching those bits... I feel like you could just be watching like any mainstream movie. Yeah, it almost feels than... like it pulls out of the Barbie movie into another movie. But it's not Some a bland movie. Yeah, it's not but it's not a good thing. It's like um okay, it's not quite the sparkling mega budget feminist Barbie that we've been watching because it's in the real world, but it still should have this kind of it should keep pace with it. Mm. It should and all it seems to be that's like well, here's we'll put Will Ferrell in, that will do. Yeah, it does feel like that. You know, and and, 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 and it feels like... And also, well... 
if or you, you you trying to avoid spoilers or no, no just say, America Ferrera oh. feels like she could just be played by Greta Gerwig and it would be better. Well, we'll cut. We'll, like Greta Gerwig is the director. We'll, so let's talk a bit. We'll come. But she we'll, could have totally done that role. We'll work up to the speech. No but, offense to America Ferrera, who I love. Yes, which people <laughs> remember her as um, Ugly Betty. Ugly Betty, <laughs> but um. Sisterhood of the we'll, Traveling it, Pants. Let's work. We'll work up to. Oh, great reference! <laughs> it will work up to that. Um, but it feels like so. This the the. I, I don't. I hate, again, I hate, hesitate to use the word politics, but just as a shorthand, that it's a fun movie with sort of interjections of of gender politics, which range from the very funny to the supposedly profound, and then often trite. But as I say, it works best when it's a satire. And like we're saying that these these gender politics are sort of nothing new, really, um, uh, you know. And a lot of it's oh, the bit the jokes the jokes are generally men are like this and women are like this. You know, it's a bit it's a bit old in that way. Um, but it sees it 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 sees itself as modern, and I don't feel that it is quite as modern as it should be. Um, uh, and you know, it does make some great comments about the realities of being a woman, but sometimes they're just too obvious, too ham-fisted, too shoehorned in, and the, there's a big sort of revelatory speech about kind of being a woman, which I think people in the screening that we were at and probably almost all the others, you know, there was a sort of smattering or a temptation of people to kind of applaud this kind of, I guess you might, if you're being reductive, I'll call it like the Oscars clip, you know, where they sort of make a, a kind of, it's this and it's that and it's the other thing, you know, sort of getting into the, but it's not a very profound speech. It's actually quite a dull speech. It's actually quite trite. It's not particularly revelatory. But on the other side, I mean, I, I, I'll ask. Let me ask you how you felt about it. But I do also think, I guess, there will be people. I do appreciate the fact there will be people who. I mean, these seem like old ideas to me. Yeah. But there will be people who haven't formed these thoughts yet. There will yeah. be young people watching this movie, or people that just don't engage with, or have not engaged for whatever reason. You know, because everybody comes across these things at different moments in their life or for different reasons yeah. who won't have formed these thoughts. So they are, you know, it's not that they're not valid thoughts. I just don't think they're interesting enough or delivered with enough, you know, there's not enough of revelation. They don't go far enough. But that's a, exactly that. That's a good point It doesn't point as go well. far enough. Yeah. Like it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't revelatory. It didn't give you anything new. I'm not asking her to like really be breaking new ground here. But like, but deliver it in a, a sharper way or a wittier way. Yeah, deliver it in a wittier way. Um, it was just—it's like you said earlier about like Twitter feminism. It's just obvious stuff. It's like headline stuff, like something that you tweet to get likes and clicks, and it's just obvious to everyone who's ever had a thought. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> so, yeah. Um, it so for me, it didn't do anything, and and the fact that like, I mean, I struggled with this throughout the whole film with like people. People laughing at things, and I was like, "Well, that just ain't funny." Or <laughs> people being like, "Woo, yeah!" And I'm like, "Yeah, what?" Like, I thought that when I was ten. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> how are you? How are we like? Well, maybe they just, the, I guess, the act of hearing it out loud. Yeah, I know, and that's yeah. what I was getting at earlier. Like, sorry, that all sounded so mean, but like, yeah. what this is kind of what I was saying earlier is like, if nothing else, well, these ideas are making their way into blockbuster films. Yeah. So that is something because. 
blockbuster films are shown to wider audiences of like you say people that haven't necessarily engaged with thought like that and it's not like in the yeah every day it's not something that they engage with every day it's not something not everyone's on twitter not yeah. everyone's online like yeah. there are people who are older tw- and younger who haven't come i don't know yeah. there's no way to say it without sounding really patronizing but yeah. <laughs> it could be a good thing that yeah, these this, ideas are now in films that are reaching more people. But this is just from your point or like a point of view of someone who has engaged with these ideas. I think there's two people will fall into Well, I think that's what's frustrating about it because you, you know that Greta Gerwig... I mean, I was just reading this BFI um, sight and sound review of it and it's like saying, you know that Greta Gerwig is a an educated white woman. So I'm almost thinking like... <sighs> What is the excuse for an educated person living in Los Angeles with a lot of money and who's worked in the film industry and has like educated friends and interesting conversation in their life? What is your excuse for not making this less obvious, less obvious, more engaging? And I'm not saying it had to be serious, like, but I just I wanted it. I wanted it to be dealing with things that were a bit more in depth, but like with a comedic edge, and like made it kind of it will make it approachable because it's a satire and it's just. And when the satire comes, it's funny. It's it's right. Yeah. But perhaps when they're just trying to make it was just, straight points, it was just points. too obvious. It was just too obvious. And this essentially what I'm saying is the stuff that America Ferrer was saying. It was like feminism 101. It's like cliche. Yeah. It's like 16 year old discovers. Yeah. I don't know. But the, do you know maybe one of the problems with it? It's not just that it's obvious, like the monologue itself is obvious. I always feel like, I mean, I do have a tendency of like zooming out and thinking like, what is this actor thinking as they're saying this? But like, I do wonder if like America Ferreira is like being forced to say this stuff that's actually really obvious and a bit cringe and like stuff that people tweet to get likes and retweets because it's just so obvious and so inoffensive. Yes. That like, how could you not listen to that and agree with what you're saying? Because mm. you're really not going far with it. Then I start to think like, is this actress uncomfortable with doing this monologue? Like, <laughs> I, I, do you know what I so mean? So it comes down to your generalized anxiety. Like, about then I build watching, a story yeah, about how this actor's feeling. <laughs> I start to imagine what their day was like and uh, <laughs> how many retakes. No. Um, uh, I do, do you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I just think like, I feel like surely it, everyone involved in this knows that that is not a revelatory thing to be saying. It's one of those speeches that is meant to feel extemporaneous. It's meant to feel... Well, who know, is it for? That's meant, what, I guess that's what I'm wondering. Who is that for? Well, you've made the point and maybe, you know, it is for like 16-year-olds who are just discovering these ideas <sighs> yeah. and people who have not engaged with the with some of these ideas before, which is great. You know, that's good in of itself, but maybe it's not. I guess the point is it's not as satisfying to a seasoned moviegoer or perhaps someone who likes a more edgier kind of... Um, I, 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 well, it was all wishy-washy and I also just didn't... I think I came away from it not really knowing what it was trying to say as a film. Well, here's the problem with the movie in a nutshell, I think, is that when Barbie arrives in the real world, and again, I'm not spoiling the movie, but there's a moment where Barbie is critiqued barbie as a as the form of barbie mm. you know the, the 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 toy is critiqued because the mo- movie is sold on you if you love barbie you'll like this movie if you hate barbie you like this movie but actually it's only for people that like barbie yeah. because they critique barbie and they say well you're terrible and you're sort of this stereotypical idealized whatever version of a woman etc etc they make numerous points watch the movie you can enjoy it for yourself but you know, they make these points, but it's 
all in aid of whitewashing Barbie's image. It's all in aid of saying Barbie is this thing that was actually essentially a kind of sexist idea is actually fine because because simply and only because we have aired these thoughts, owned these thoughts, and now because we've said them, you can kind of forgive us for it. There's because, also... Because we've acknowledged it. Yeah, but that's not good enough, bit of like, I don't think. Without going too much into it, there is also a little bit of like, and Barbie's fine because a woman made it. Yeah. <laughs> a woman created Barbie, so yeah. like, it's actually feminist. Yeah. It's like, you mean a woman who in the context of her time was oppressed yeah. in, the, in the ways of, I don't know, what, was the, the 60s? Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Let's brush over that. Let's not deal with the fact that, like, this is a product of its times. And let's just go, it was a woman who made it. Women can do anything. Yeah. We can like Barbie if we want to because we're women and you can do what you want. And yeah. it's like... <sighs> You need to deal with it on a deeper level than that. And also the 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 speech that the little girl gives, I think her name's Sasha, is undermined by the like emotional like Margot Robbie walks away crying at having been critiqued in this way. Yeah. And there's just like sad shots the thing of is, Barbie. Like the thing oh. is Barbie Greta Gerwig's Barbie cannot, as far as I'm concerned, cannot really be a true feminist movie in any way, ultimately, because it's so enmeshed with capitalism and commerce and that oppressive kind of force. We'll get really deep into it here. Without, I don't get too far to talk about a movie, but... It, well, it's it, not it that deep to say that, is no, it? No, but you know what I mean? I don't want to get too deep in the weeds of this. No, but no, all I'm but saying is, is that it is an exercise in, in washing the IP clean and, and showing that you can now still like Barbies, which you can, but the point is, is that on the terms of under the terms of feminism, you can like it, and in, in the specific ways that they're yeah, talking about, yeah, it's sort of a revisionist yeah, Barbie history, yeah, and in the specific ways they're talking about it, and um, there are there is this feminism one hundred and one for younger people or people who are at a different point in their journey of feminism, and but those people are going to maybe they're going to walk out ultimately of the cinema and thinking Barbie's cool, Barbie's good. Yeah. And the pro- but having said that, mm. like having said everything I've just said, which <laughs> was like a critique of the movie, sorry. <laughs> I did come out of the film and there was two little girls. They must have been about 12. This is it, isn't it? Yeah. I love how kids are always about 12 yeah. when you talk about them, but they were. And they were just talking to each other and saying how amazing the film was and like that was the best film they've ever seen i mean they're 12 okay. yeah so but like okay now they like barbie and they think that barbie's cool but like it's more about the fact that they've now been shown these ideas that to us are really basic but to a 12 year old they've just been introduced to it i feel it's a bit like that got one program which is was how to look good naked or whatever it was called <laughs> which is basically like you know it's not like how to look good as a person that doesn't conform to kind of normal idealized beauty standards of the past. You know, it's like how to look good as, you know, even though you don't look like that, like to get you as close to that as possible. Mm. You know, it's like a false kind of, um, yeah. uh, kind of, um, basically I think people are going to come out of this movie and still see Barbie as an aspirational figure, something to aspire to. Uh, I think that's that was one of my... 
whether that's not that's probably that's not the intention i'm sure but you know, i feel like that's that the ultimate well. i think that's the ultimate result no but like there's that bit where they're like where she's like i'm ugly and this she's is- supposedly she's becoming less beautiful at some point i yeah. can't even remember why and then the narrator's like Margot Robbie is not the correct person to cast if you're trying to make this point. It's like, well, then just cast the right person. Like, that's not funny enough joke. I'd rather you cast someone who is more interesting as Barbie that you could make some sort of further comment rather than just like, here's the perfect Barbie and you're still going to come away from this like wanting to be Margot Robbie. So you, yeah. <laughs> wanting to be Barbie. So you would have gone back to the also, original I mean, casting of Amy Schumer. I really would not. <laughs> There are other people the, in the world. Uh, Amy Schumer being Barbie is we're really let's no. be, we're dodged a bullet here, haven't but we? But I mean, like you could have done something more interesting. I, I mean, I don't mind. Like Margot Robbie, she's fine as it is. It's fine. But like you know, she is Barbie. Well, um, and before I forget that, I mean, it is one of the great dodged bullets of Barbie is, is, is assumingly Amy Schumer not being it, but it's also the big section that was cut out that Gerwig wanted to include, which was a fart opera. Some sort of symphony involving a series of farts. I honestly have nothing to say about that. that like, I don't cut. even know where to go. She with put that. it in the movie, and then it was cut because it didn't. <laughs> who knew it didn't go over well with test audiences? But I mean, I, but she thought it was great. I don't know what. Don't there's some. There's a few know. things. Maybe in, it'll be in the deleted scene. Sometimes when you see like you know p- filmmakers, you know, like, show your workings. Like, how did you get <laughs> yeah. to the? How did you get to this point? And it does sort of reveal something about the bigger problems with the movie. This is like a. Just a silly little aside, I guess. I just felt like there was a really missed opportunity for like a make under. You know, like you have like the classic makeover montage in a film. Mm. Barbie went from Barbie land to the real world. I would have liked to see a process of her. I don't know. Like maybe she, Ken started to become like, oh, I love the patriarchy in the real world. Like he was engaging with something in the real world. And it was like adding to him as a character. She was just walking around being Barbie. Yeah. But like. I don't know. I just well, it could have been fun to do some sort of The thing about like... Barbie is, uh, herself, is that she's... And this is to do with Margot Robbie as well, unfortunately. Um, is that... Uh, it's not that Margot Robbie isn't talented, but she has a tendency to be... Um, and maybe this is obvious because, you know, she's obviously been cast as Barbie for a reason, but she is... She is a little vanilla. And Barbie... Well, that's the problem but Bar- I always but have not, with her. Yeah, but not just Margot Robbie. I mean, as also... Barbie, the character's a bit vanilla. Well, yeah, she's stereotype Barbie. Yes, but they don't Seriously. move beyond that. There is not enough interest or arc. She's a bit black. I mean, okay, she's supposed to be a sort of what what they used to call an everyman character, you know, the Tom mm. Hanks character, mm. the straightforward, mm. normal one that represents you. But, of course, she's not that as well. She's quite the opposite. She's just like a superwoman at the same time. Yeah. And then... So I guess the thing that's come out of it for us, and we've said this a few times, is that this isn't the Barbie movie. This is the Ken movie. Because mm. the whole movie is about Ken. And everything that's really yeah, but that's because fun and exciting about it is Ken. First of all, her because he's quite, hilarious. Her, like he just is. Her stuff is quite bland. But it yeah. is so bland. And I think the problem basically with that is that like... She, she doesn't have an, much of an arc and he has this great big arc. They didn't give her any kind of personality or character development. And like, I know you can say she's a doll, like she's just Barbie, but then so is Ken. And he came off with a lot of charisma. Like there could have just been something more, more charm. There needed to be more charm behind Barbie herself. I think, you know, and also they sort of conclude Barbie's arc with this scene, which I won't spoil at all, but it has some music laid over it. And it's just so like 
outrageously cheesy. Mm. And people, I guess, will have... There are certainly people who have teared up over these moments in the end of the movie, the, the conclusion of Barbie's arc. But it is quite, like, outrageously kind of cheesy. Uh, very, you know, um, it's real kind of... Uh, uh, it's, like, highly sentimental. Yeah. Um, and it might mainly perhaps the wrong choice of music, for me, anyway. Uh, but... You know, um, it's it, it's weird as well because uh, there has been this like American conservatism reaction that this is like an anti-men movie, which is just like a like incredible nonsense. Yeah. Um, but because this is like a very men movie, I think you know Ken is like Ken Ken's job is beach, but Ken is men. You know, like <laughs> there's a lot of stuff about, and actually, I do think there is a sort of confusion that will come from audiences around Ken as well to a degree because. Not just conservatives who think that Ken's character is anti-men. And actually he's quite a pro-men character, I think, for two reasons. One, because the kind of arc he has is helping, does help men understand some things about themselves. Um, nothing particularly, again, revelatory. It's not, it's not earth-shattering, but it is. it has a, a nod to that. But I do think that there's a joke in the movie... This is what I think is kind of odd about the movie. Is there's a joke in the movie, which I won't spoil, about... And those that have seen the movie will know what I'm talking about. There's a joke in the movie about the Godfather. And people are going to think... There are going to be two sets of people. There are going to be people that understand that... You know, I think a, a number of people won't understand that Greta Gerwig will love the Godfather. And they're going to think, that's Godfather, that's men's stuff, that's not for me. I'll never be watching that nonsense. Rather than you know, actually this is a joke about something, but something that Greta Gerwig worships. I mean, a great example is a lot of the Gosling stuff. And I really did appreciate this, but that that is is based in the persona, the actual person, the actual real life persona of 1980s Sylvester Stallone. Uh, and that's the look that they've yeah. given, given him. And obviously it's like lampooning it. But at the same time, like um, people, not everybody, both... But think both from both ends of the political spectrum, we're not going to understand the deep level of love, respect and enjoyment that Gerwig has for Sylvester Stallone, mm. you know, and like Rocky movies and stuff. Mm. And that actually I saw an entire interview where Gerwig talked nothing, nothing throughout the whole interview, except for how much he loved 80s Stil Sylvester Stallone and Rocky movies and like the stuff that Stallone would wear in those days. That's part of the, I just feel like that's part of the cynical marketing of the movie though because it's the same thing as if you love Barbie, you'll love this movie. If you hate Barbie, you hate, you'll love this movie. It's like, if you love The Godfather, you'll love this movie. If you hate The Godfather, you'll love it. Do you know what I mean? Like it it can afford to, to have those misunderstandings. It, yes. it can afford to have both sides of the audience. One that goes, oh yeah, ugh, men's stuff, The Godfather, Sylvester Stallone. Or the ones that understand, like you say, this is sort of like lovingly done. It's like in jest, obviously, but like it's not a it's not an anti man's movie, and it's not uh, an anti man's things movie. It's just about behaviour, and so I don't know. I mean, but it is less of a Barbie movie than it is a Ken movie. Ryan Gosling does steal the show, and are we now paving the way for the Ken movie or some sort of Barbie two? that is basically about Ken or I don't know. I mean, it's just would... too, it was too Ken, too much Ken. Yeah. I, not too much that like, it's really enjoyable mm. and it's the best thing about the movie, but it's just doesn't feel like the Barbie movie. It feels like the Ken movie. Oh, the Alan movie. The Alan. Yeah. Something. That would be good. <laughs> so because Alan, like Alan needed more screen time. Mm. 
I really believe that. Although on the other side of it... I know that's part of the joke. Yeah. Because he was discontinued. Well, the Michael Sarah Allen character, I think, actually is really wonderful because in the screening that we were in, there's a lot of times in the movie where the movie just cuts to Michael Sarah. It's his... micro expressions just a look yeah. just his face just a shot of his face doing not really anything but that is michael Sarah. and he doesn't say anything yeah he doesn't do anything particularly and it's all it happens throughout and it doesn't land like nobody laughs yeah at all i thought it was hilarious but it is the most hilarious thing i mean i'm sure obviously there will be screenings where like there was laughter but like in <sighs> the one that we were in for whatever reason it just seems like full flat. Yeah, it, because these shots seem sort of purposeless and pointless. Yeah. But that's felt, why it's so I funny. I felt like I could almost hear people's thoughts of being like, what's next? Like, what's yeah. he going to do now? And then yeah. he doesn't do anything. And, and you're that, like, that is the joke. That is why it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's sort of, yeah, You maybe it's not instant yeah. for everybody. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's... it's uh, well, it's fun. The audience was howling. Yeah. Weren't they? Yeah. And I thought there were some moments for me that were extremely funny. There were. And there's a lot of that, you know, and, and the, the truthfully, a lot of that stuff with, with Ken and the choreography and all that stuff is the best stuff about the movie. And it's quite exciting when it's happening because you, you're you seeing people who are clearly really enjoying not only being in the movie, but making the movie and the whole process is clearly. And people are enjoying watching it as much as they have enjoyed making yeah, it a lot like of the time. Yeah, just like Ryan Gosling getting to do a comedy role. Mm. Like you just don't see that all the time. Yeah. And basically getting to be, I don't know, like Danny Zuko as well. Like a little bit of grease. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's very funny, that stuff. But I mean, people were kind of oddly hyped for it, weren't they? And it, it, to be honest, it felt like for a lot of people, posting a picture of what they are wearing before going yeah. to the cinema was much more exciting to them than actually being in the cinema. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they weren't, you know, a lot of people who aren't avid cinema guys will have gone to this. Yeah, I mean, so it's yeah. fun. It was that. just seen as an event, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it's an excuse to to dress up and go out. I think for some people, and it's and that's been great. And you know, the fact that uh, in a way, Oppenheimer sort of attached itself to this, even though of course it's a movie in its own right. I think it's probably made some money off the back of this, the fact that it's you know this Barben Barbenheimer thing. It's a bit like um, the movie industry's version of Blur versus Oasis mm. and who's going to be number one. And just that was the idea. And it's never, it was always going to be Oasis that was number one. And it was always going to be uh, Barbie that was number one because they were the more commercially satisfied, which is weird because you would think the Blur, Country House Blur, is a bit more representative of Barbie than, uh, <laughs> than I'm, I'm stretching the metaphor here, but you know. <laughs> So it's a really fun movie, you know, and I think anyone was going to get in, anyone will get enjoyment out of this movie, really, uh, unless you're sort of some sort of hard right, you know, Fox News anchor or something yeah. like that. Um, I, I think ultimately the, it suffers from the fact that there's no way you can make a movie about Barbie, which has obviously been a uh, very symbolic um uh, millstone you know around you know kind of albatross should we say sorry around the, the necks of women you know something that a, a kind of an awful kind of and they talk about a stereotypical barbie in the movie an awful kind of stereotype there's no way that you can actually talk about that stuff if you in a way that's meaningful truly meaningful if you're a not there to sell lots more Barbie dolls and, you know, let's be honest, being lent the IP by Mattel, you know, because all of this stuff will have to have been run by Mattel. And 
the focus of everybody, whether they know it or not in this movie, is to sell more Barbie dolls. Yeah. And, you know, I don't Related know. products. And pro- products, you know, like, oh, here's some, like, uh, adult, you know, makeup for adults with Barbie sticker on it. Yeah, well, no, but adults can now buy Barbie dolls is what it also in- does. Indeed, yeah. But, you know, it, to, to whitewash the... And you... The, to whitewash the Barbie name. And there's no... There's no kind of getting around that. If you are, and, and if you lent an intellectual property, you have to serve the interests of the intellectual property first and foremost. So is it is a successful movie as a piece of entertainment, mostly? I just think it largely glosses over too many things and rushes through too many things. It doesn't sit with the things that it should sit with and it just kind of... And it would have been it would have been better if perhaps I think probably would have been a slightly better movie if they'd have come up with a Barbie stand in and said, Oh, here's um, you know, using some other name mm. and just mm. done a parody of a hard parody of Barbie mm. and made it this kind of, you know, and still had Lizzo and everybody involved mm. and just used all these things and mm. you could have gone deep into the critique yeah. through satire yeah not through like social like straight up like like boring social no, commentary no. through the Just through comedy, the humor of yeah it. but but essentially like this is essentially a movie produced by mattel so yes. what are you gonna do but it, yes yeah, so it, but <laughs> it, it blocks it blocks that proper kind of discussion yeah but on the other hand you do get to look look at lots of fun cars clothes and types of barbies what they released since the 60s <laughs> you know which is fun really fun <laughs> and ryan gosling having the time of his life yeah and ryan it's gosling worth it. it's like, worth watching ryan gosling doing a sort of like sylvester stallone tribute which it's is fun wonderful it is yeah great. so i mean yeah uh lower your expectations enjoy yeah no but this, it depends on who you are doesn't it, it depends yeah. on what you think but at, at the end of the day as deep as we've gone into it it's just a bit of fun yeah basically and so um but i think people i think people may be reading that it's like this is the big feminist moment. Yeah, it's just and, not. And it, it, but it is something. But I didn't expect it to be. Let's yeah. clarify that. But given the <laughs> mil- hundreds of millions of dollars that it's made, yeah, um, it at least it's sort of a feminist moment to some degree, but only in the most kind of mainstream way. And I know we're ra- ra- wrapping this up yeah. now, but also <laughs> on the same token, you could say it's just riding feminism to make loads of money. So that's fun. So there's that <laughs> angle as well, folks. So I hope, we go there? I hope we haven't spoiled Barbie for you, but and, and I enjoyed it and I like Greta Gerwig as a filmmaker. I think it's a good film, but um, I just what uh, it's curious what people are going to make of it and, and seeing the people's reactions to it overreactions in a different way. This is the least this is the least men friendly movie whatever nonsense. This is the most feminist yeah. movie ever nonsense. All of these things are not true. It's just a bit of fun. It's just a, a Barbie movie with some kind of very simple, unoffensive, basic feminist ideas uh, put layered into it. Mm. Um, not always successfully. Uh, so it's not always like on the money with that and it's not always on the money with the comedy mm. but very often it, it does really well in all these areas and it's a decent movie um, but uh, I look forward to seeing what happens after the two Narnia movies yeah uh, uh, and how's she gonna yeah and uh, that. and whether and, and god uh, lion and I, I'm hoping that, you know, um, I guess some people have made, maybe I agree with this comment. Some people have made the comment that perhaps the movie studios are going to learn not that they would like individual kind of uh, voices like Greta Gerwig, like, a you know, like, a, let's say a, a, an individual filmmaker 
uh, an auteur, if we're going to use that word, the voices of filmmakers coming through, and that's the lesson should be learned, or female-centric movies, mm. that's the lesson that should be learned. But what they're going to say is, we need a boatload more of IP and a mm. boatload more of things that people... Because the, the thing, the truth is, people haven't gone to this because it's a Greta Gerwig movie. They've gone to it because it's a Barbie yeah. movie. And so they're now going to dig into the big bag of tricks of every other thing that you possibly remember from your childhood because nobody... Because people aren't really going to see superhero movies as much anymore. And a lot of them have been quite bad. So let's now dig into that instead and basically sp spend the next 15 years just filling the cinema with Polly Pocket movies. Who knows? Polly Pocket movie might be good. God knows. See what Lena does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I dread to I've think. I've already seen all the jokes about tiny furniture. <laughs> <laughs> ah, tiny furniture. <sighs> I haven't seen that movie in a while. Maybe go back and That's look at that. That's a good one. But okay. Well, thanks for listening to the White Wolf Cinema Podcast. There'll probably be another one that you can listen to right now. Probably. If you're lucky, it might be the one about Oppenheimer. Uh, but thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.